0: Life good! Never on! Well! Come on, Rent! Life good!
1: Got real close. I hear high, right? Trying to hit two-thirds. Have they saved it for her? Yes,
0: they have! Welcome to Game of Stones, everybody. I am
1: Sean Graham, Scott. Alongside as always. Hello, Scott. Sean. It's a great day. Uh, curling season is now officially over. It is. I, th- I think I, uh, unless there's any other events, uh, out there, but you know, uh, what are your, what are your plans for the summer vacation?
0: Uh, you know, just take it easy, relax. You know, I've been a very stressful year. Just, uh, maybe slow down a little bit from the very hectic life of the, the past few months and mm-hmm. see where the wind takes me.
1: So, you know, like probably spend more time at home. uh,
0: Yeah. Yeah. Spend some time around the house. Maybe get some stuff done. Yeah. Yeah. That I Uh, haven't had time to do around the
1: house, you know. Fair enough. Fair enough. Fair enough. So, Sean, uh, we're here to talk about the men's power rankings this week. Yes. Coming off a terrific U.S. Nationals, uh, both the men's and women's team there.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Wonderful event. Uh, congratulations to everyone for being able to pull that off. We know how difficult these events have been to run in this environment. And uh, you know some great games over the course of the week and uh, some worthy champions there, Scott.
1: Yeah. So big congratulations go to uh, team Dropkin for their big win on, on the men's side and on the women's side with team Corey
0: Christensen,
1: but a good job by all teams participating.
0: Yeah. A hundred percent. So, so well done to everyone out there. And uh, now we can turn our attention to the summer. And as we did last week, we're going to do some more power rankings. Thank you to everybody for the feedback last week on, on my rankings of the women's field and Scott, now it's your turn as we bring on the men.
1: It's raining men.
0: <laughs> yeah, so, so we, we mentioned this a little bit off the top last week. I'm very much an eye test kind of person, see mm-hmm. who wins the games, kind of go gut feel a little bit, but you wanted to delve a little bit more into the numbers for your rankings. I
1: did, Sean, I did. And so what I did was I looked at the current world rankings Uh, For as flawed as they are, they do provide a bit of a barometer. Uh, I also looked at Ken Palm's rankings, which are interesting because they weight recent results a lot more heavily than do other systems of rankings. So uh, you do have some outliers when it comes to that, but it it does a good job of capturing sort of who's hot in the moment. Yep. Uh, And then I also looked at some of the the statistics. And we've talked about the hammer factor before. Mm -hmm. Uh, and it's something that, uh, curl with math blog run by Kevin Palmer, Kevin Palmer. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, so him and his podcast, uh, and his website curling with math or curl with math, I think, uh, they've talked about the hammer factor before, and this is a stat that I've used, When we've simulated our world championships, I've used Hammer Factor as a way of gauging um, performance, uh, predictive performance. So what Hammer Factor is, is a a sum of the hammer efficiency of a team plus their steel defense. Okay. So if you're really good at defending against the steel and you're really good at converting with the hammer, you'll have a very high Hammer Factor.
0: Sure. Sure. So that makes sense, and really, that is one of those stats that you could actually see a correlation to winning there, as opposed to say shooting percentage.
1: Yeah, exactly, exactly. It, it tends to it tends to slot teams sort of into tiers uh, more than saying, "Oh, you're point zero one, like you're one percent better on hammer factor." Right, doesn't translate into necessarily something that's that's a, a better winning percentage, but it does track. T- Pretty well to performance. So what I've done is I've taken those three things, I've smashed them all together, <laughs> and I've come up with a weighted average where I, I weight the world rankings the least, uh, sure. and then uh, evenly between the Ken Palm ranking and the Hammer Factor. Okay. To come out with a a list of top ten teams. Nice. I will uh, I will start with a couple of what I call them honorable mentions. They're pretty close. Okay. In the end though, I wanted to stick to my numbers to make this a little more of a, a more of a scientific analysis. Okay. So uh I will I will say my apologies first to uh team Ross Patterson, not a team that we've seen a lot of this year, have been competing at that high performance facility up in Sterling. Yeah. But Ross White and Bruce Mowat seem to have gone ahead of him in the, the tiers of Scottish curling. Uh, that said, I, I did use stats from both this season and last season to try and get a bit bit bigger sample size. And they had quite a good season last year. So uh, they end up just outside the top 10, as do Team Schuster. Uh, okay. Just outside the top 10. Uh, pretty close. I, I could have maybe taken them as opposed to the number 10 team, but uh, they were just a little bit uh, too low when it comes to the hammer factor. Okay. Uh, actually, not bad hammer factor wise, but uh, I, I just didn't think uh, they'd played enough games. Yeah,
0: they, they only really played at the World Championship. They didn't have a chance to play anything else. The, in terms of meaningful, I mean, that's mm-hmm. mean to the teams that they probably scrimmaged with, but like really meaningful games against top level opponents, things that you would count in rankings. Like Ken Palm only has them at 14 games, for instance. And those would be mm-hmm. the 14 games they played at the world championship. So yeah, I can see where you're coming from there, Scott.
1: Yeah. And so, I mean, I, I tried to, I, I toyed with the idea of correcting for number of ends played, but you know, a dinner was ready, so I had to eat dinner um, <laughs> instead. Uh, so maybe I'll go back and check that and see if this changes anything, but I, I don't suspect it will. So okay. I'll, I'll get started. Uh, With the number 10 team, Sean. Yeah. Uh, Now, I did my rankings based on statistics and numbers. So, no surprise that Team Gunlickson uh, will come in here (laughs) at number 10.
0: Yeah, they love using the numbers, using the analytics. I got to be honest. I'm a little surprised that they are that high,
1: if I'm being totally honest. To be honest, I was a little surprised too. But their hammer factor ranked fourth out of the... 18 teams that I uh, used to, wow. that I started with and sorted through. I'm, uh, I'm so
0: surprised at that because it, it feels like they give up a lot of steals.
1: So, so actually their steel defense is one of the highest of all the teams I, wow. I looked at. It's 22% over the last two years. Uh, their hammer efficiency on the other hand is, is pretty good at 43%. It's not super high as we'll see in the range of the people further up in the list, but it's very good. Yeah. Uh, in the world rankings, they are ranked 13th in the Ken Palm ranking 16th, but that hammer factor is what really brings them up uh, in my rankings up to number 10. So, you know, using the analytics to look at uh, maximizing your opportunities, pretty good. Uh, if you want to look just at the wins and losses, they haven't fared that well. Uh, this year against top 10 teams uh, by Ken Palm's count uh, four and 12 against teams that are up into the, into his top 10 uh, for this year. Right. So uh, not, not a great uh, win loss record, but their their underlying stats are good and we probably expect them to have more wins than, than they have.
0: Yeah. I I agree that. Yeah. We we saw them at the briar, some of those top, teams they they just didn't they, they can't seem to hang with them right now and Gunlickson certainly yields to or leans towards those big high weight shots and sometimes they can get him in trouble they can get him out of a lot of uh, a danger too but it, it can be problematic we saw it at the end of a couple games where maybe you draw and go to the extra and take your chances and he's going with a big weight maybe I can win the game right now shot which for TV purposes is very exciting uh, no question mm-hmm. about it but in terms of the defense, too, they did give up eight threes during the course of the briar. And, you know, so so that's the kind of thing that at that level, it's hard to give up big ends regularly. And, and I would say over the course of a, an 11 game round robin, I would say eight is pretty regular.
1: Yeah, yeah, I the, yeah, the, the hammer factor doesn't take into account, you know, like how many if you're giving up big ends to your opponent, right? But obviously, it's not great if you're giving up uh, bigger ends.
0: No. They're good at forcing, though. They're very good at forcing. Yes. Yes, they are.
1: So uh, that's my number 10, Sean.
0: I'm a little surprised off the top. I I, I didn't expect them to make it. So totally fair. I'm I'm excited to see what's next.
1: So uh, next up, we're going to go one province over to Saskatchewan. And uh, Team Matt Dunstone is going to be number nine. Okay. Uh, They've got a hammer factor of 0.6, so 60%, or I guess we'll we'll stick with a straight number and call it 0.6. Slightly lower than the Gunlickson of 0.65. In the world rankings, they're ranked 11th right now. A lot of teams have jumped ahead of them, uh, I think based on the world championships, Right. Uh, it's number seven in the Ken Palm rankings. So uh, it averaged out uh, that on my list, they became number nine. Like, like you say, they're a young team, really on the rise, really quite good. Mm-hmm. What what I'd say held them back this year is their performance against the other top teams, uh, only seven and seven. So yeah. they're, they're one of these teams that beats up on everybody they should and gets in a bit more of a dogfight with those other top 10 teams. And needs to just push that a little more to, to get over the edge.
0: Yeah, and that's the next step for any young team is getting over that hump. And and back to back, Briar semifinals made the playoffs at the Players mm-hmm. Championship as well with a, a four and one record at that event. Missed at the Champions Cup with a two and two, but I, I, I honestly would have expected them to be a little higher in terms of you know where I might put them on the the eye test because of their position as an ascending team. That Sure. You know, Matt, I think at this point, Matt Dunstone himself has all the shots. And when he was throwing a couple years ago for Steve Laycock, he didn't have all the shots. Uh, Now he does. And certainly the team, obviously, is a lot stronger because of that. Muscawi, the performance in the semifinal is the best game, all around game I've ever seen him play. So if he can keep that up, we're big Kirk Myers fans on this show. I think that brings mm-hmm. such a great dynamic to the team just in terms of personalities, keeping people talking. He's in that, he's like a John Morris type where he can just talk about the game all the time. And that level of energy is really good for the team. So in, in an eye test, I'd have them a little higher, but if the numbers have him at nine
1: numbers, have them at nine. What I'll say about the men's list is it's a little more Canadian heavy than the women's list was. Which I think bears out, right in yeah. in what we think of of the men's game a little deeper in Canada than the rest of the world, notwithstanding the results we saw at the men's world championship with you know five teams finishing ahead of Canada, but uh, it there's a very deep Canadian contingent with a few very very strong international teams.
0: Yeah, I totally I totally agree. I, you know the the Scotties is a little easier to try to handicap than the Briar is, and the men's worlds is a little easier to handicap in the women's worlds. You know, it's sort of the inverse internationally from what you see domestically almost.
1: Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think I have three international teams in my top 10 and I will get to the first one now with number eight. And that is going to team to Cruz out of Switzerland. Sean, team okay. to Cruz, Number 10 in the Ken Palm rankings, number nine in the world rankings. Uh, they were number nine in terms of hammer factor on my list. So pretty steady a team. This year, they really suffered playing against those other top teams in the, the Swiss championships. And again, again in the world championships, not as good, mm-hmm. but they're a very strong team overall. A medal contender at any Euros or Worlds. Sort of ran into a wall at the men's Worlds this year, having to play three games in one day. Uh, ran out of steam in that second game. So I, I think this is a pretty fair spot for them, number eight in the world. Uh, what do you think?
0: No, I, I totally agree. I, I think this is a, a good spot for them. Yeah, they did run out of steam there at the 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 last day. Although they did win the last game, right? They did beat the Russians. They did win the bronze, yeah, yeah, in the last game. They lost that middle game to Sweden in a in a blowout, eleven to three, in that game there. But you know, they they were the 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 last team to make the playoffs. They went eight and five, so they were out of all the playoff teams. They were the worst of them, a game better than. Italy and Norway and you're right they can come out they can win slams they could win a world championship they're certainly good enough but they could also finish finish down the pack and I think the best example of of that or or when you're looking around and and thinking of how they are conceived of Silvana Taranzoni and company had to make the playoffs to get the Swiss Olympic berth Mm -hmm. Peter de Cruz had to get to the final to make it into the Olympics as the Swiss team. And that is partly because Yannick Schwaller is there as another option, but Elena Stan's there is another option too. So you just look at the overall resume of Peter de Cruz and very good team. But I I think this is a a really good spot and probably where I might have had them to on the eye test.
1: I think so. I think so. If we talk about Yannick Schwaller and their hammer factor, they're they're very similar to to team to cruise maybe like three five percent difference so maybe maybe in a different tier but but pretty close uh they're they're close on the world rankings as well but i i do give the edge to team to cruise all right let's uh let's see what you got at number seven maybe more surprises
0: I'm, i've been surprised twice uh, out of three
1: okay this one i think is going to surprise you that this team is this low okay this will be fun it's it's brendan botcher
0: well <laughs> what
1: really number seven in the world based on uh based on what i've seen sean they are number four in the world rankings number four in the ken palm rankings yeah but of the teams i rated via hammer factor uh they're 15 out of 18 uh and that is in mostly due to the a poor steel defense uh only 15 percent steel defense this team so because of that, it, it really brings their whole number down. Their hammer efficiency is 42%. Pretty standard, middle-of-the-pack uh, hammer efficiency. But uh, yeah, it, I, I was surprised by this too, based on you know everything you'd think they're good. Uh, and, and they should be in the top three. <laughs> based
0: on everything
1: you'd think they're good.
0: That's, uh, that's an Alzheimer quote, Scott. Well done.
1: <laughs> but... You know, against the other teams in the top 10 this year, 12 and 12. I think we talked a lot about during the Worlds and the Briar, Sean, that this team doesn't blow you away. And I think no. the, these stats sort of play that out. This is a team that'll let you hang around. Uh, very similar to a Rachel Holman, which means that they, they don't come across as very dominating unless they're winning every game, right? And But they don't win many games in by three points or more. So I think that has a lot to do with where they fall in this ranking.
0: Yeah, I think that's fair. They, they do tend to play close games. I'll just say at the Brier, the they outscored opponents 101 to 62. They scored 7.2 points a game, gave up 4.4 points per game. They had a total of, let's see, 28 ends where they scored two or more points. Like that—that's pretty damn good in terms of mm-hmm. generating points for yourself. So I'm surprised that the hammer factor isn't that good. But you are right that when you look at some of the spreads of their games, they do tend to keep it pretty close. Not a lot of blowouts. They blew out McEwen, which is just weird. That's you know it's not going to happen all the time. And then there are other blowouts where games that you would expect, right? They beat right. UConn in, in a big blowout. So that's a little surprise. And the other thing I would I would wonder about this—they they weren't great at the world's obviously like they Mm -hmm. they, I mean they they won nine games they like they were fine but they weren't as good as they were at the briar and this does lead to the question of bubble fatigue and was there something to that brendan botcher also alluded afterwards to the team canada structure that is around the team that wins the briar and potentially some distraction coming in with that and sort of like just I'm Brendan botcher let me be Brendan botcher and yeah. and so you do wonder how that might have affected things and I would throw out the two slams for them in terms of just the meaning whether or not those numbers are meaningful I would say they're not
1: yeah that's fair enough and and that is a reason I wanted to take a, a bigger sample for for the the hammer factor stats sure but uh you know the numbers played out the way they did I'm surprised but I'm, uh, I'm a scientist first and foremost, and I, (laughs) uh, I'll stick to the data. All right. That's
0: fair. Numbers don't lie. Except for when they do.
1: Except for when they do. So, uh, the next two teams were, were exactly tied in my weighted average, but I've broken it based on performance this year. So number six team will be Brad Jacobs. Okay. Brad Jacobs team uh 48% hammer efficiency 12 steel defense pretty low steel defense uh you know 0. 0.12 yep which uh brought them down in the hammer factor rankings uh team Jacobs number 1 in the world right now uh, according to the world rankings let me double check that that doesn't seem right
0: no they they had a run they won 3 slams last year
1: that's right they that's the run right. of
0: three straight slams last year and so you bank those points and with no points this year they're still that's that's why is because they went on that crazy run last year during the the slam season
1: so that's uh, best eight results this season plus hundred percent of last season's points uh yeah that puts them uh pretty comfortably in first place in the world rankings in the Ken Palm rankings they are lower than that I want to say I have them at three here three Yeah, that's right. Uh, Third there, but it is the hammer factor that's dragging them back again to the number six position. Again, this year, seven and 10 against first place team or top 10 teams. So uh, that's where they seem to struggle a bit this year. We saw them struggle at the Briar as well. So they come in at number six.
0: Yeah. Yeah. They finished down the pack at the Briar going seven and five. They lost in that championship pool to Cooey and Dunstone, they also lost to that crazy uh, Glenn Howard, uh, Wayne Madaw team. The big loss, or the, maybe the most surprising loss for them was when they lost to James Grattan, of course. And I, I think this is fair for this team. Honestly, it's probably higher than I would have put them even. Yeah, they they win those slams, but maybe it's just because they had such a peak seven years ago now that you kind of expect that from them, but they haven't been able to replicate it since... Olympics Briar on the Mm -hmm. the highest stage, or at least for me, what is the highest stage? It's just, you know, they've gotten to find, they've, they've been in other Briar finals. They've had success at Briar's made playoffs at Briar's, but just not being able to get over that hump of winning another one in my head kind of sets them back a little bit. And then if you're looking at power rankings as, as going forward, what do you expect going forward? You can't imagine that this is the team of these four past this season. So you know, as a yeah. future looking ahead, this foursome it, it doesn't feel like it's long for the world. Jacobs even talked about retiring potentially at the end of the cycle and whether or not it's worth worth it to keep playing. So yeah, I think having them here is is fair,
1: if not a little high from where I might put them. Right, right, and and so I would expect a lot of people to think, hey, Brendan Botcher should be higher than Brad Jacobs. Yeah. Well, maybe, but what I'm what I'm seeing is not not telling me the same story. All right. That's fair. So next up, Sean, number five, this team was exactly the same uh, statistics as team Jacobs, 48% hammer efficiency, 12% steel defense, and it's team Bruce Mowat. Wow. They, I mean, if I'm I'm talking about the last, you know, four weeks. Yeah. uh, Yeah. They're probably a lot higher. They're probably number one. And, you know what they are in Ken Palm's rankings. They had a great year this year. Uh, definitely a great team, and one that's I would say on the rise. If I was, you know, thinking about future possibilities like projections a bit, I think they would be higher. But uh, that's uh, that's where they rank right now. The the world ranking of being fifth sort of brings them back a bit. That's where I've got them. What do you think? I think that's insane. I think
0: they're much better than the <laughs> fifth best team in the world right now. They won the two slams, uh, silver medal at the World Championship. They, as a team, were the second highest shooting percentage at the Worlds at 87%, second in the draw shot challenge as well, finishing just uh, an, an inch or a centimeter back. They use centimeters, I think, a, a centimeter back from. The Swiss team of Peter de Cruz. This team was a buzz saw in the bubble. And again, if you, you mention it, it's, this is ascendancy for this team. They're just getting better and better. There was a, a really good interview that Bruce did with the BBC before the mixed doubles, where he said that he's starting to believe now that they are one of the best teams in the world and they that they can compete with anybody. And there there is this idea that in curling. As a skip, it, you're not in your prime till your 30s. You have to learn how all of the strategy works. You have to see angles, you know, the 10,000 time thing from Malcolm Gladwell. And it just takes so much time, so much repetition to get to that point. And if he can get there a couple of years earlier, in, in the same way Brendan Botcher potentially can, where you're winning these high level events regularly, th- this is going to be a lot of fun. And mm-hmm. I, I said it at the men's worlds. And during the slams, I'd sign up for a decade of Mowat-Botcher world games. Now, that is going to be interrupted because I would also sign up for Botcher-Dunstone-Briar finals for a long time. So certainly Dunstone would win some of them. But overall, I, I think this is too low for this team based on what we saw over the last four months.
1: Yeah, yeah, I can uh, understand that. Uh, your recency bias might be uh, clouding your judgment a bit, but uh, I-, I get where you're coming from. And I'm, I'm following what the data is telling me.
0: Yeah. I just think it's crazy that they, they're the same as Jacobs. I, I think they're just, you know, at very different points of the career, you know? And, and yeah, yeah. I, so I agree. that's why I use the, the eye tests uh, to, to differentiate and which is what you've done here.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, that's how I differentiated the two based on recent performance. Right. Yeah. Uh, so moving up, Sean, next in, The rankings is going to be Kevin Cooey. Okay. They uh, have a a pretty crazy, insane hammer efficiency the last two years of 0.5. So converting 50% of the time with your hammer. That's very good. uh, For those of you who don't know, (laughs) Uh, 16% steel defense uh, adds up to a total of uh, 0.66 hammer factor. This is the third highest hammer factor of the field. Uh, in the Ken Palm rankings right now, they're fifth in the world rankings. They're down at 10, which I believe is mostly due to Colton flash leaving the team. So they're, uh, you know, the points are a little lower. Makes sense. And and they brought in John Morris who didn't really have any points. points, So, uh, that, that brings the team down a bit, but Sean, this is one of the best teams in the world. No doubt. Uh, sometimes you get cooeyed, Sometimes Cooie gets botchered and, uh, You know, it could have just as easily been Kevin Cooey going back to the World Championships this year. They, they've been to what is it, three in the, three of the last six? They're yeah, something like that. They're really pretty, good. Uh, pretty good. Yeah, They're pretty good. What do you think?
0: I I think that's fair. I, I you know, the question that surrounds this team moving forward is you know, is thirty eight minutes enough time for Kevin Cooey to play? a 10-end curling game, especially with John Morris there. And and I think that is the thing that, I mean, it's fun when Cooey Cooey's people, but you'd also think that maybe he could be more effective if he managed his time through the course of the game better. And that is the thing moving forward is the communication. It was not great at times during the briar to watch this team and to see the almost, I, I don't even want to call it like, the communication let's say the lack of communication between the four of them and over the course of the summer i think that's what they're really going to have to focus on all four can make shots having john in the house i would argue he's probably a better person to be in the house than bj neufeld Uh, that was the right decision and i think having john throw third makes a whole lot of sense too when they made that switch mixed results at the Mm -hmm. two slams but first time they've done it. So, so you can't really take that for too much. So it, it really is, it's certainly not a question of ability or execution. To me, it's just a question of communication and, and how the four of them can come together over the summer and, and make that run at the trials.
1: Yeah, that's, that's fair. I think, I think based on the, the trials coming up, it's going to be uh, Kevin Cooey, uh, a team that will you still talk about, or Brendan Botcher, the the favorites, right? Yeah. Uh, I have Brad Jacobs a little bit higher. I don't think they would be the one of the favorites going into this event uh, compared to the other ones, but uh, I, I think there's three teams on the men's side that will be the contenders to win it. Uh, I, I'm I'm going to throw a Dunstone in them. You're going to throw Dunstone in? Yeah. I, I yeah, he's to me one step below uh, the other three. Okay.
0: All right, so Scott, that's four. There's three teams left. I'm looking around here. There's three teams left on your list. I feel confident that I could guess two of them. I have no idea who
1: the third team is
0: going to be. Really? Yeah. Really, Sean? Really.
1: Really. Okay, well, uh, let's move on to one of them that I think you will guess. Uh And that's the team from The Rock, Brad Gushu. All right. Yeah. Coming in at number three. Here on uh, the rankings, uh, world rank number three, Ken Palm rank number two. Uh, hammer factor a little bit lower than the rest of uh, the teams. Uh, number nine on a hammer factor list, only 0.61. Uh, it's mostly due to the steel defense not being uh, as high as some of the other teams. Drops them into the third position. But Sean, this is a team that I think between him and Cooey, they've won whatever the last six uh or five of the last six yeah. Canadian championships. Now
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, they're going to be a team fighting for the the podium there at the trials come November, December, end of November, end of November. Yeah. So yeah, I, I mean they're a really great team. Uh, Brad showed uh, you know his versatility. He was able to sweep uh, last week. Wow. Got uh, some ribbing from some of his other uh, some of his teammates, uh, justifiably or not. <laughs> Very justifiable. Yeah, and uh, just a one of the best teams in the world.
0: Yeah, no, no question about it. Uh, the, that front end is great of Walker and Gallant. I think Mark Nichols is it, it, he's certainly in the conversation. I think he's the best men's third in the world. Uh, you know, if I was drafting a team, and for some reason I'm the skip and I can pick a third, and it's anyone in the world, I think I'm picking Mark Nichols as mm. that third. So, you know, and we saw it, the, the 2020 Briar final, uh, he won it. He he was the MVP of that game. And when he's on, yeah. this team is is impossible to beat. The question, of course, is Brad Gushu. He, he seems to be over his, his hip issue. And hopefully that it, it remains the case moving forward. He can be healthy competing once we get into the fall. And yeah, I, I certainly no complaints about having this team that high disappointing week at the Briar for them not making the playoffs certainly but they respond go eight and one in the round robins of the two grand slams losing one of the finals there to bruce Mouton. on a great shot at the players that, that bruce made to win mm-hmm. that event so and no no issue here for me that they are in the top three in the world
1: good because i think you'll have an issue with the next team sean uh
0: yeah if this is i'm guessing this is the team a, a team that i was struggling i, I just looked at the list of the order of merit. And I think I could guess who it is now, but they would not have been front of mine as a top two team in the world. If who you say is who I now think you are going to say.
1: Yeah. So this, uh, this team gets up to the top of these rankings based a lot on their world ranking, which was built up through a great 2019 fall, uh, season, uh, including a Canada cup win, uh, their hammer factor is second in the field, 0.67. This is team John Epping.
0: Yeah. This is crazy.
1: The The numbers say that they're a very good team, and they have had success at the highest level. You know, he's made a Breyer final? No. No, I'm wrong. He has not. Uh, a, a playoffs anyway. Won a Canada Cup. Won a bunch of events in the fall of 2019, as I mentioned. What brings them down is their most recent performance, right? So where Sean, your eye test sees, okay, what's the most recent performance? That's what I'm gonna base things on. this sort of takes into account uh, a little more uh, a little f- more full view of the last two seasons uh and this team is is a really good team, and i I would agree with you that I don't think I would put them as one of the favorites in Saskatoon, no. but the, the numbers tell me that they should be one of the favorites.
0: Okay. All right. Here's, here's what I'll say. Yes. They, they've had some success. John Abbein, most recent grand slam 2018 with the national, they won the Canada cup in 2019. The first team to secure that Olympic trials birth mm-hmm. bronze medal at the 2018 Briar, 2020 was in that just massive tie-break situation as the host yeah. team missed the playoffs at this year's Briar. They went one and three in the championship pool in the bubble and really struggled towards the end of the week. But Scott, the issue with John Epping is they can score. There's no question they can score. They could put up a four at any time during the game. They could give up a four at any time during the game too. They're, they're not as good, I think, in in terms of the record as the component parts would indicate that they should be. I think Fry has been an improvement for the team, no question, and and Fry himself as a player is a better player now than I think he was a few years ago, at least in terms of disposition, and fits better with this team than the last couple years of Jacobs. You can't argue with the 13, 14, 15 Jacobs dynamic, but towards Mm -hmm. the end, it wasn't as great, and this is a much better situation for him. But overall, you just you just don't see the results in the same way as some of these other teams that are behind them. And then you have the variable of John Epping and And he's the first to admit this that he is not the most technically sound player in the world. He's mm-hmm. he can fishtail. He can be a little all over the place. That leads to me at least to a little greater variability in his performance game to game. And therefore the success that we saw say at the 2019 Canada cup, it's not replicated as frequently as say Kevin Cooey who throws the exact same way every single time. And that Mm -hmm. is my biggest concern with John Epping is that you just don't know game to game how technically sound he is going to be.
1: Yeah. Those are all totally fair arguments. Um, I, I don't really disagree with anything that you're saying. Uh, I will maybe just push back a bit on saying, well, they weren't that good at this year's Briar in, in the bubble one and three in the championship pool. I I don't want to overvalue bubble performance one way or the other. Right. Um, sure. Because, because it was so weird because, you know, everybody reacts differently. I wanted to take a little bit longer view of it. So doing it that way got me this team up to the top. I think you know, when we previewed the briar, I think John Epping would have been in that sort of second tier, you know, below Botcher and Cooey and maybe Dunstone. Yeah, thanks. So. As the favorites, sort of in the same tier as Brad Jacobs, as Matt Dunstone, you know. Yep. So, yeah, maybe these numbers do like over inflate a bit and, and, you know, value the, what they've been doing with the hammer a little bit more. What, what's really buoyed them here is the steel defense percentage, which is 21. Uh, so that boosts a pretty you know standard hammer efficiency for a top 10 team in the world. Uh, nothing really sticking out, but uh, that's, that's sort of what gets them to this spot. And I, I think that they will be a dark horse at the event in Saskatoon. Someone to look for that maybe others are overlooking based on you know, the success of Butcher and Cooey. And All right. I, I mean I think that's fair. And and, you know, I, I would I would
0: put them in the top ten in the world. Right. I, so, you know, my slagging yeah. on them isn't to say that they're no good. Uh, <laughs> you know, they're I think they are a top ten team in the world. I just want to see it at a Briar, at maybe a world championship. We'll see what happens at the trials, you know. And maybe I do over over sort of or think that the national championships are more important than the slams. And, and I overvalue them potentially, mm-hmm. but you know, to me that is the, the pinnacle that that's where you have to really get one of those to put yourself on that list of, of uh, as among the greatest. And he hasn't done that yet. And even, and even at the slams, if you want to say the slams are, are part of that, he doesn't have the same record at the slams as the, some of the guys behind him.
1: Yep. Yep, that's fair. That's so, fair.
0: All right. So Scott, uh, that uh, doesn't leave much drama, at least in my mind, as to who is left on the list.
1: No. If if anybody's struggling to figure it out, then uh, then for shame, it's <laughs> uh, the the king himself, the Swedish king Nicholas Adin, and his team, easily number one in Hammer Factor on the back of a 52% hammer efficiency the last couple of years, ranked uh, number six in Ken Palm's rankings, number eight in the world. Mostly that world ranking is due to, uh, you know, fewer events played, especially this year. Mm-hmm. And the Ken Palm ranking are reflecting a, not an ideal outing for them at the world championships, uh, you know, that other than winning.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, they were terrible. They were terrible <laughs> yeah. all the week, other than the fact that they won.
1: Well, they they weren't as dominant I I'd, I'd say as you would have thought they would be going in, right? Okay. The, I mean, okay, the... okay,
0: they weren't as dominant. They only outscored their opponents by 39 points and they only had the best shooting percentage as a team by 2 points. So, yeah, really did
1: struggle over the well, course of the week. Sean, I'm trying to come up with a reason for why they're 6th in the <laughs> rankings. <laughs> I right? I think it's the, my guess is that it's uh, the slams. Yeah, and 9 and 8 against other top 10 teams uh, based on uh, those numbers there. So uh, despite all that, Sean, their hammer factor leads them to number 1. Great team. They're definitely a gold medal favorite at the Olympics in 2022. And that, what's Nicholas in won, what is it, five world championships now? Is it six? I can't five. count. Five, so five.
0: five. Yeah, five, and he's won five of the six world championship finals he's been in. So he's made six finals and won five of them. That's, it's pretty good record.
1: Very good. And that only loss would be to Brad Gushu in 2018, I believe. or uh, 17. 17. 17. Yeah. So there you go. Like, uh, I, I don't think there's much to nitpick about this one. Is there?
0: No, no, really, really good. Uh, they're, they're great. And you know, seven euros on top of that. Uh, he's, he's won the world juniors. The only thing left for him to win Again, uh, similar to, to what we said about Anna Hasselberg last week, unless you want to go win the seniors and then eventually the masters, if that's really important, you still have those left to win. But it's the Olympic gold medal that is going to be the, the last thing for him to, I guess, get to that Brad Gushu level of the trifecta of, of all those things that you can win internationally. So it'll be interesting to see what happens in Beijing for this team after losing the gold medal game to Schuster back in 2018, but uh, yeah, I I have no problem with them being the the top team in the world. You get this weird thing that that happens every so often on Twitter when they win a world championship where people say that they're overrated because they just win world championships, which I, I get somewhat confused by and that their record at slams isn't the greatest, I guess. I mean, he's won three of them. So, you know, they're not Mm -hmm. bad at the slams by any means. So I I think, yeah, if he wins a couple more slams, maybe people will slag off him. But certainly it's a team that, from what I can see, focuses their schedule around being in peak form at that world
1: championship. I think so. I think so. That's uh, what they play for. And to be honest, it's their biggest challenge every year, right, at the world championship. So, yeah. All right, Sean. I'll recap now my top 10. Let's do it. Where and you can note your surprise uh by each one okay. by rating it from 1 to 5 guffaws. Okay. All right, so number 10, uh Jason Gunlickson.
0: That's a it's a 2 guffaw
1: for me. Number 9, Matt Dunstone.
0: That's a, a like a eh, 3. It should be higher.
1: Should be higher. Uh number 8, Peter DeCruz. Cruz. Zero. I'm I'm fine with that. Right on. Uh 7, Brendan Botcher.
0: That, that's a four
1: okay four it should be higher it should
0: think. be higher yeah
1: number six brad jacobs
0: i think it's a one Maybe, i think i'd have him lower
1: okay uh five bruce mallet
0: um four i'd have him higher i think okay. they're two
1: you think they're two yeah uh four, kevin cooey uh,
0: that's a uh, that's a zero i think that's a good spot for him
1: and brad gushu number three
0: yeah i'm, I'm good with him at three well, actually, you know, I might flip Gushu and Kui, but, you know, I mean, that's splitting hairs. So I'm I'm good with both of those. Epping that
1: uh, two? That's a five. Five
0: guffaws. Stunned. Stunning to me. <laughs>
1: and uh, number one, Nicholas Adine. Yeah,
0: 100%. Zero guffaws.
1: Zero. Right yeah. on. So, uh, yeah, that's what my numbers are telling me. You know, I've obviously weighted things uh, a little bit differently based on what I value. Uh, I'm sure everybody else's list are, is going to be subjective as well and uh, have different, different sort of uh, factors in there. I want to hear from you. Why am I uh, crazy? Why <laughs> am I? Why am I brilliant? Hopefully, there's more of those. But uh, yeah, let me know what you think. Yeah, reach out to us. Uh, you can find
0: Scott on Twitter at ScottLikesTV. At him, <laughs> we encourage that. Uh, you can also let us know what you think of these rankings. Uh, on Twitter, Instagram, at Game of Stones Pod, or just hit us up on email, Game of Stones Podcast at gmail.com.
1: Scott, well done. Thanks, Sean. That was a lot of fun, you know, pouring over the spreadsheets like I like to do. Yeah, and you've done it good,
0: buddy. Thanks, man. All right, so that will do it for this week's episode. Thank you, everybody, so much for listening. Please do subscribe if you have not yet, wherever it is you get your podcast. likes, rating, comments, all that fun stuff. As we said, reach out to us on social media at Game of Stones Pod or email Game of Stones Podcast at gmail.com or head on over to Game of pod.com. All of our past episodes are there, plus links to the merch as all the proceeds from t-shirts are going to Food Banks Canada, all the rest of the merch to the Sandra Schmirler Foundation, and we are matching all those proceeds. So head on over, check all that stuff out. And we will be back with you next week for another new episode as we are fully into this summer swing, publishing new episodes every Tuesday until we get to the fall and start to get back into the swing of covering some of the events. Some great ideas on tap, Scott.
1: Yeah, I'm looking uh, at your idealist right now. It looks really fun. It's going to be good stuff.
0: Yeah. So do join us for all that starting next week. But until then... Keep those brooms on the ice and don't dump that intern.
1: Make the final...